Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today's episode of Truth and Justice is sponsored by the new Netflix original series, Making a Murderer. Making a Murderer is an unprecedented new series that takes viewers inside a high-stakes criminal case where reputation is everything and things are never as they appear. Follow the harrowing story of Stephen Avery, a man exonerated after serving 18 years for a brutal assault. His release triggered major justice reform legislation, but in the midst of his very public $36 million civil case against local law enforcement, he suddenly finds himself the prime suspect in a grisly new crime. All episodes are now streaming only on Netflix. Today's episode will be the first of many to come where we will be investigating the possible wrongful conviction of a man known throughout the boxing world as Kenny the Blizzard Snow. There are many many layers to the onion that is this case. Kenny's story is jammed full of alleged prosecutorial misconduct, alleged police misconduct, and according to Kenny, even the FBI was involved in putting him behind bars. This is an incredible and complicated story, and it's going to take weeks just to get through the basic facts of the case. But it all started with an email that I received months ago from a 24-year-old woman from Columbus, Ohio, Named Spinesha Rains. Dear Bob, my name is Spinesha Rains and I live in Columbus, Ohio. I'm a huge fan of your podcast. Not only does it make my work day fly, but it has created a passion for learning about the way our justice system works, and more importantly, how many people have been failed by it. I first heard about Adnan's case through Serial from the recommendation of my coworkers. 
I immediately was captured by the story. Adnan holds a special place in my heart because he reminds me of my Uncle Kenny. From the first episode of Undisclosed and then Serial Dynasty, all I could think about was how wonderful it would be if someone would look this deeply into my uncle's case. I knew when I heard you ask for people to send in new cases that this was my chance, so here it goes. A little background about my family. My uncle is one of seven children. There are only two of them remaining. My uncle, Kenneth Snow, and my mother, Kimberly Rain. My uncle has been in prison since 2004 for a crime he did not commit and has maintained his innocence from the beginning. My uncles were both boxers, and apparently that had something to do with him being wrongly accused. The city that he is imprisoned in is nearly owned by a manager who wanted to have a part of my uncle's boxing career. He shuts out anyone who tries to help my uncle. My uncle was told there was DNA evidence, but that it had been destroyed. There were alibi witnesses who were never contacted. In the span of years that he has been gone, my mom has dealt with unimaginable pain. In 2001, their brother, my uncle Anthony Snow, was brutally murdered in the backyard of my grandmother's home. In 2007, my grandmother, his mother, Cora Snow, was diagnosed with myeloma and passed away in 2007. In 2011, my mother found her sister, Marla Snow, dead in her home. And in 2013, their father passed away. All of these things my uncle missed. Now here in Columbus, my mother has lost all of her siblings and both of her parents. The last living sibling she has is her brother, Kenny, who was wrongfully imprisoned in Beaumont, Texas. Many lawyers have been contacted by extended family members to help my uncle, but most are filled with empty promises and others we cannot afford. It hurts my heart to see my mother go through this. She had to bury her sister, brother, mother, and father, and now the last brother she has has been locked away for over 10 years. It is even more painful when lawyers give her false hope only to break her heart again. My mother has been through so much, and even if you could just look at the case, that would mean so much to me. I can hear in your voice every week that you have a true passion for cases like this. I truly believe that if anyone can help my family, it's you. Please help us, Bob. Sincerely, Spanish Rain. Hello. Hello, is this Benicia? Yes. This is Bob Ruff from the Truth and Justice Podcast. Hi. Well, Spanisha, I got your email and I've actually gotten in touch with your aunt and I've even exchanged a few letters with your Uncle Kenny in prison and I think that we can help you and we're going to take on your uncle's case uh, as the next case on the Truth and Justice podcast. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, you're, you're more than welcome and we're excited to help. I've actually, um, for the last couple of months, uh, I've been That was Spinesha reading the email she sent me in her own voice. Something about that letter tugged at my heartstrings. I got online and did some quick research on the case and decided to give Spinesha a call. I'll tell you up front, right now at the beginning, that we have a long way to go in this investigation. 
I've been exchanging letters back and forth with Kenny in the prison for about two months now. Kenny has filled me in on his version of events, and if even a fraction of what he's told me is true, then Kenny needs our help. All of our help. There are hundreds of thousands of you listening to this podcast. All of you have been intensely engaged in Adnan's case for the last year. And like I said last week, don't worry, we're not leaving that case behind. We're going to come back to it. But what I'm asking you is to come to this case with an open mind. Listen to this story. Engage yourself. Because I'm going to need your help to unravel this mess. In this episode, I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version of Kenny Snow's story. Kenny was born in 1964 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Shortly after that, Kenny and his family moved to Pittsburgh. He had a total of six brothers and sisters, but growing up, his family suffered one tragedy after another. As of today, Kenny's sister Kimberly is the only sibling that he has remaining. I spoke with Kimberly for the first time earlier tonight. Um, you know, it's just a lot. I mean, it's just a lot. It's just every time, like, when she was reading the story, that gets me emotional as well. Going back on, you know, and everything I just found out from her that he had 40 years. And it's just, you know, it's just really emotional. I'm very thankful that we, we found somebody that would even listen. This is the part we've gotten in all the time. So you didn't realize until uh, your daughter told you that Kenny was sentenced to 40 years? That's correct. I didn't need that. I walked in the door and she told me and I was like, I was just uh, threw back by I didn't know he had that much time. The first thing that struck me about Kimberly is that she is just completely overwhelmed emotionally with this. Kenny was arrested in Tyler, Texas. He had no family there. He didn't have everyone's addresses memorized or even their phone numbers. So because of that, most of Kenny's family had no idea that he had been arrested and certainly didn't know the details of his case. Kimberly just found out today that Kenny was sentenced to 40 years in prison, and this new knowledge was heartbreaking for her. She had no idea that he would be locked up for that long. I asked Kimberly to tell me a little bit about Kenny's personality, and she mostly remembers him always cracking jokes. Kenny was always a jokester. Yeah. Out of all, out of all, the, all of my mother's kids, he was always the one that, even in a bad situation, he always made it, any type, any bad situation, it was always good if Kenny was there. <laughs> Kenny was never a violent person. Even when he was, when he became a boxer, he was never the type of person that, I mean, if he could talk his way out of a fight, Kenny would. But Kenny was a very good fighter, mm-hmm. but that was like the last thing Kenny wanted to do. If Kenny was sitting around with his family, joking, laughing, he, that was the thing that Kenny liked to do most. And a lot of Kenny's fights came from, for his, you know, outside of boxing when we were younger. And, you know, how the young boys, they crack on each other and somebody may get the best of you and then somebody get mad and, and they want to fight him and then that's when they realize that, you know, Kenny's not really an easy win just because he's sitting here laughing and joking with you. But that's the, my fondest memory is the fact that even in a bad situation, Kenny is always a good person to have around because he will make you laugh regardless of the situation. I cracked up when she told me that, because even in prison, broken and beat down, Kenny is still that same jokester he always was. Let me read you an excerpt from a letter I received from Kenny last week. Earlier in this letter, Kenny was explaining to me that he was feeling kind of down and out. On Thanksgiving Day, he had to trade his turkey dinner with another inmate for some stamps. 
He desperately wanted to send me a letter, and he wanted to send his sister and his Aunt Leola Christmas cards. But even as down as he was, Kenny still had time for a joke. He wrote me this, I have always been a fighter, but without your help I had been thinking about giving up. But I always think about this story I once heard. There was this man who found this big rock, and he drug it home and chipped on it for months. And when he finished, everyone in his village said that he had created a great statue. He then took the statue to a sculptor, and the sculptor said that he hadn't created anything. He told him that the statue had always been there. All he did was chip away the rough edges. Get it? Rough? He had spelled rough like my last name, and he was pretty proud of his cleverness. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Kenny's Aunt Leola has been his greatest advocate since he's been in prison. Leola lives in Florida, and she might just be the sweetest woman I've ever spoken to. I spoke with her tonight after she got home from her Bible study. Hello? Leola? Hello? Yes? Hey, how are you? Fine. You know who this is, right? It sounds like Ricky, but I'm not sure. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This is Bob from the the podcast. Oh, okay, okay. So how was your Bible study? It was excellent. I just really, really, really liked the um, Bible study leader. Now, he's not from my church. He's in Virginia. But um, he just, I mean, he just explains everything. He's so detailed with and he's so patient and he's so loving and kind. So I can't wait until six o'clock to jump on that Bible study conference line. Oh, right. So we get people from all over, California, Pennsylvania, Florida, everywhere, Virginia, and they just call into the conference. Oh, so it's done over the over the phone or like through the internet? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. What did we learn about tonight? Uh, well, we talked about David and Saul, and this is when um, Saul, of course, uh, I think he was losing his mind because he has <laughs> went to uh, summons uh, a median to come, and um, he wanted to talk to Samuel because he knew that he had disobeyed God, and he was just a desperate man, so he was looking for anybody to help him. But it was very interesting, very interesting. Well, that's pretty relevant to what we're so, here to talk about tonight. Yes. Every time I speak on the phone with Leola, I feel like I've known her my whole life. She's kind and open and honest, and getting her to open up has never really been a problem. So Kenny spent most of his teen years living in Columbus, Ohio. He had a good life with a close family, but tragedy seemed to follow his family from Pittsburgh. We'll definitely get into all the things that happened to Kenny throughout his life, 
But one that really stuck with me was when his sister was electrocuted and eventually passed away after two years in a coma. Life was never really easy for Kenny and his family. But like his sister said, he always managed to maintain good spirits. When Kenny was about 17 years old, he took up a new hobby that would forever change the course of his life. Kenny sort of experienced, you know, some tragedy in his life. He had a sister that was electrocuted, and she was in a coma for a couple of years, and she passed away. And he had a brother who finally was deceased, but prior to then, I know he lost his sight. So he went through some very difficult times, and he sort of turned to the gym, and he started to box. And my understanding is... um I guess there was a manager there who saw him or someone saw him and uh, referred him to this manager. And he went out to Texas to start boxing. So he actually went out and started a career for himself. Kenny fought in his first professional fight on August 11, 1982. He fought a guy named Jeff Nelson. This was Kenny's first fight and his first win. He went on to win his next 14 fights. This young man, new to the boxing world, seemed to be unstoppable. In December of 83, he lost his first fight to a man named Manning Galloway. He was 15-0 and at that time, and he lost by way of a split decision after 10 full rounds. Kenny kept on fighting after that. His new boxing career was allowing him to see the country. He fought everywhere from Florida to Michigan to Nevada, New Jersey. He even fought in California. On December 12, 1986, Kenny the Blizzard Snow knocked out Daryl Spain. This wasn't just any fight. This was the ESPN middleweight title fight in Las Vegas. Kenny went into that fight with an impressive 25-3 and record. And out of those 25 wins, he had knocked out 17 of his opponents. And up until then, Kenny had never been knocked out. Kenny's boxing career then took him to the town of Tyler, Texas. Tyler is located in Smith County. While he was there, Kenny was arrested on three counts of forgery by passing. I'm still waiting on some FOIA documents to get the details of those cases, but the best that I can figure right now is that Kenny was caught passing some bad checks. But something was a little off with this arrest. Kenny was incarcerated, and I don't remember the year. I hate to say, I don't know whether it was back in like the mid-80s or something. And he called me one night, and he told me he was in jail. I said, for what? You know, I mean, before I do anything, I want to know why, you know? Right. So um, he said, I don't know. I said, listen, you want me to help you and you don't know why you He said, no, I really don't know. So I went to work, and this is, just shows you how God works. Um, my boss used to work in the security department. He was actually an attorney. So, and I don't, I'm, I'm a rather private person, so I don't want to go in and talk in my business at work. But I didn't know what else to say or do. So I asked, I told him, and he said to me this. He said, um, what is his name? And I told him, and he said, well, wait a minute, where did you tell me he was? I said, Tyler, Texas. And he said, I went to school. He went to engineering school, the cell phone company, senior job classes. And he had just been back about three weeks. And he said, I was in engineering school with, he called the guy's name, from Tyler, Texas. He said, let me give him a call and see what he can find out for me. Now, the guy wasn't an attorney. He was an engineer. Mm -hmm. But my boss called this man, and he called him back. He gave him the number to the jail. And he told him before he called, he said, don't worry, he's going to be released. We call on a conference call to the sheriff out there. And the sheriff said, 
that they was using, and I forgot who he said, leverage over Kenneth. But he also said this. He said, tell, because they all knew him, they call him Kenneth. But he told me, the sheriff told me, he said, they are using leverage over Kenny. Now, he didn't tell me what it was. He didn't send about no checks, no fraud. He didn't say any of that. But he said, but tell Kenny, when they get out of uh, get out of jail, he said, tell him to get out of Tyler, Texas, and tell him to never come back. It looks like Kenny was let off at that point on some kind of makeshift probation. He kept fighting, but for the next couple of years, he was losing more than he was winning. In 1993, Kenny was arrested for theft. And for right now, that's all I know about that charge. Like I said, you're going to hear this investigation happening in real time. So he was convicted of this theft in 93. And it looks like, according to the court documents, that he spent about two years in jail for that. I'm looking into the details right now of these other minor crimes and waiting on a letter from Kenny explaining them. It's been kind of difficult over the last couple of months to get all the information that I need because the only way that I have to communicate with Kenny is through the mail. Sometimes days and weeks pass between letters going back and forth. But Kenny's made clear to me that he wants to make sure all of his cards are on the table. He's told me that he wants to speak to all of you through me and that he wants you all to know that he's made mistakes in his life and he paid for those crimes. But right now he's paying for a crime that he didn't commit. After Kenny got out of jail, he was back on a winning streak and on top of the world. On July 15, 1996, Kenny knocked out the number two contender in the world. Revea Springs was 19-1 and at the time. This was a primetime fight, and it placed Kenny in a position to fight Roy Jones Jr. for the light heavyweight championship of the world. And as Kenny writes in his letter, this is where all the strangeness began. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. On January 30th, 1997, Kenneth Leon Snow was arrested for two robberies that had occurred on January 21st. Kenny says he was charged with aggravated robbery, and the prosecutor told him that his hands should be considered weapons. According to Kenny, he had nothing to do with these crimes. He doesn't know who committed them, and that he wasn't even there. Kenny tells me that on January 21st, 1997, that he was at the Budget Inn Motel on Martin Luther King Street in Tyler, Texas. He says he was in the company of a young lady by the name of Sean Pluckett. For their date night, they ordered a Domino's pizza. Kenny says that he held a 10 to 15 minute conversation with the delivery man. No witnesses were called to corroborate his story. So on the 30th of January 1997, Kenny was sitting in jail, and according to him, having no idea what was going on. 
He was still on parole from those earlier forgery charges. And this is when Kenny says that he was approached by a man named Johnny Johnson. Johnson was Kenny's parole officer. He says that Johnson offered him a deal. And I'll remind you that this is all according to Kenny, so everything I'm about to tell you is alleged. Johnson asked Kenny if he ever wanted to fight professionally again. And Kenny, of course, says yes. He then told Snow that he was going to send a few people to visit him who would have a proposal for him. Now, what I'm about to tell you are very, very serious allegations. Kenny says that a few days later, he was approached by an FBI agent by the name of Dennis Murphy. And along with him was the chief prosecuting attorney, a man named David Dobbs. And for those of you that read the book that I recommended, Chasing Justice by Carrie Max Cook, I'm sure you recognize that name. In fact, as we unpack this case, there's going to be more than one name that sounds very familiar to you. Kenny claims that these two men asked for his help in a murder case. There was a man in the Smith County Jail named Edward Atez. Atez was being held on murder charges, and he had already obtained two mistrials. Kenny claims that Murphy and Dobbs presented him with an ultimatum. He alleges that they told him that they were going to put him on the same cell block as Atez, and that they were going to need Kenny to testify at Atez's trial, claiming that he had heard a confession. He says that he was told that if he didn't cooperate, he would be sentenced to 99 years in prison. Kenny told the gentleman that he did not commit these robberies, and that he had heard that there was blood and DNA taken from the scene. He told the two gentlemen that he wanted the DNA tested, and he alleges that they told him that if he didn't cooperate, that they have DNA experts that will testify at trial that that DNA belongs to him, whether it does or not. Kenny says that this meeting was followed by Mr. Johnson popping in. Johnson told him that the other condition of him not being sentenced to 99 years in prison would be for Kenny to make Johnson his new manager. Along with that, he wanted 10 ringside seats to Kenny's upcoming main event fight, and he also wanted Kenny to pull some strings and have his wife sing the national anthem at the fight. Kenny says that he resisted for a while, but eventually he agreed to the terms of the deal. He never did claim that he got the confession out of Mr. Atez, but he did offer some damning evidence at trial that helped lead to Edward Atez's conviction in his sentence of 99 years. And in another episode, we'll get into more details on his case. After doing everything that was asked of him, Johnny Johnson came through with his end of the bargain. He was the deciding vote to release Kenny from prison and sentence him to 10 years of probation. Kenny got out, Johnny Johnson took over as his manager, but Kenny was never the same in the ring after he left jail. After his release, Kenny the Blizzard Snow lost 17 fights in a row. As you can imagine, his new manager was not too happy about this. In 2002, Kenny left Texas and went back to Columbus, Ohio to be with his family. I don't have all the details about this yet, but according to his sister Kimberly, he left Texas because he was afraid of what the police department there was going to do to him. He was here in Columbus. Kenny actually left Texas and came to Columbus. And when, um, I guess, the guy in Texas found out that Kenny wasn't in Texas, and that's when they brought up all these charges and stuff and came up here and was looking for him. He was living in Ohio. He had moved back to Ohio. 
He was telling us that he didn't want to go back to Texas because if he go back to Texas, then somebody's going to try to do something to him. And he was telling us the story that you were telling me about the guy that was in prison, and he didn't want to go back because of that. When he said he was worried about people doing things to him, was it like associates or friends of the person that he had testified against, or was it the manager? The police department, the um, the manager that he used to box for, and the police department in Texas. Okay, so he fled up to Ohio to get away from them. Exactly. And then they tracked him down. Exactly. But the reach of Smith County justice goes far beyond the borders of Texas. In 2002, they came after Kenny and arrested him for violating his probation. One of the conditions was that he wasn't supposed to leave the state of Texas. On May 26, 2004, Kenny went back before the parole board and was sentenced to 40 years in prison. The crimes Kenny was charged with were one count of aggravated robbery and one count of simple robbery. He was accused of robbing a man at Ricky Dealer Used Cars on Gentry Parkway in Tyler. The victim states that he was robbed and a fight ensued, and the suspect attempted to spray him in the face with mace. On that same day, another robbery occurred at Bill Smith's Tire Shop. This is the simple robbery charge because there was no assault there. The police reports say that there was blood recovered at the scene. A blood sample was taken off the concrete floor at the Ricky Dealer used car location. That's where the aggravated robbery occurred. And there was also a mace can discovered there with blood on it as well, and fingerprints. At the other scene where the simple robbery occurred, a gray McGregor sweatshirt with blood on it was recovered. The victim there claims that the sweatshirt and the blood belong to the suspect who robbed him. This is the evidence that Kenny has been fighting for to be tested for over 10 years now. At one point, the Innocence Project got involved in this case and was able to get a motion in front of the judge to test the DNA. And the response given by the judge was that the Tyler Police Department claims to have destroyed all of the evidence back in 2002, before Kenny ever went to prison for these crimes. In the Smith County Sheriff's Department, they were the ones that collected the sweatshirt from the second scene, claims that they just can't find the sweatshirt. They don't know where it is. I guess with the Innocence Program, they use DNA to prove whether or not a person is guilty or not guilty. But in Kenneth's case, the fact that they said that they no longer had the evidence, and I forgot exactly what pieces of evidence it was, but they said that, you know, a couple of pieces of it was um, destroyed and the other piece was lost. So the uh, Innocent Program didn't have anything to test. They could test Kenny's DNA, but what was they going to test it against? Because they had no evidence. So how convenient could that be? There have been a few other lawyers along the way that wanted to help, but it seems as though the town of Tyler, Texas, and Smith County in general, has been an absolute stonewall for anyone that has tried to help. And regarding the allegations that were made about the shady deal to get Kenny to testify against another inmate, this isn't just Kenny talking. Lawyers have looked into this and tried to take action. But again, they got shut down. To give you an idea of the seriousness of the corruption in Smith County, Texas, let me read you a paragraph from a letter that was written to Kenny from the Davidson Law Office. It says, At least two U.S. government agents are going to come see you in the near future. Ask them to identify themselves. Ask them to tell you whether a Tyler defense attorney came to see them. This person would be me and ask them to identify that lawyer. The government agents will identify themselves, they will identify me, 
and they may show you my business card. They may show you your original letter to me or a copy of it. Only when you see these identifications and verification steps have been taken and authenticated should you talk to them. Do not talk to anyone else about the contents of your letter. I repeat, you must remain silent about the contents of your letter to anyone and everyone except the two government agents and me. This lawyer from the Davidson Law Office was one of the few that went headfirst into this fight and then quickly backed away. There are pages and pages of details about this case that are going to be disclosed over the next several weeks and months. I don't know if Kenny the Blizzard Snow is innocent or guilty. One thing that really got me interested in this case was the fact that Kenny Snow has so adamantly insisted that those DNA samples and fingerprints be tested. I just can't figure out why someone would insist on having physical evidence tested if they knew they were actually guilty. But with that being said, we still have quite a journey ahead of us. As I get responses to my FOIA requests and documents become available, I'll begin updating the website and putting those documents up for you to look through. The first step in this process is going to be for us to determine whether or not Kenny Snow actually is innocent. If at the end of the day, it looks like he's guilty, then we'll move on to the next case. But if he is innocent, we need to step up and fight for him. Because there's no one else left to do it. The criminal justice system in Smith County, Texas, is well known for corruption. They're known for doing anything they can to get a conviction at all costs. There are several books written on the subject. Just Google Smith County Justice. So this fight that we're about to engage in isn't just about Kenny Snow. Kenny is the first layer of this onion. As we peel it away, my intention is to get down to the core of the corruption in Smith County. Kenny is just one man, and if he's innocent, I think that we can help him. But there are many, many more just like him. Many of them sitting in that same prison in Beaumont, Texas. As we go through this process, I want to look deeper into the Edward Atez case. Kenny has openly admitted that he perjured himself in that trial. Now, I have no idea if that man is innocent or guilty, but if he is an innocent man, Kenny could be the key to releasing him from prison. And the more people that we can get to join into this fight, the more exposure that we can put on that town in that county, the more likely we are to force systematic reform. Then he ran into some roadblocks out there, you know. Right. So... And I just want to tell that to you because I just want you to be careful also. Sure. You know, because I don't know what they're doing out there, but everybody who wants to help or try to help. I mean, this that the one lawyer even had federal agents to come up where they were from Tyler, Texas. So what good did that do him? None. Yeah, there's. I know there's all kinds of corruption and there's there's some horrible things going on down there, but I'm hoping the difference between them and me is that I'm bringing an army with me. Thank you to Johnny Rose of Slightly Subversive Music for creating all of the music for the show. Thank you to Tate Krupa for creating our logo. Thank you to today's sponsor, Making a Murderer, the new Netflix original series. This series sounds like a show that would pique all of our interests, so be sure to support our sponsors as they're the ones that are funding this ongoing investigation and the continuation of this show. I want to thank all of you for your ongoing support. And again, I want to remind you that we have not left the Heyman Lee case behind. I am still actively investigating that case, 
I have a private detective with boots on the ground in Baltimore that's trying to suss out some leads for me. Jim Clemente and Laura Richards are still working on the case, and they're going to come back on the show. As I've mentioned, this show is going to become dynamic. We, all of us together, are going to become, if we're not already, the team that people call when they need help and there's no one else to fight for them. We're going to continue to work the Heyman Lee case, and my intention there is to not leave that case open-ended. I do hope that at some point we will have law enforcement involvement and we will take action. And who knows where this Kenny Snow case is going to take us. But I assure you there are many, many details yet to come that are going to absolutely astound you. So again, thank you for your engagement. Please stay engaged. Please recruit as many people as you can to help get engaged in this fight. Keep sending your emails in to theories at truthandjusticepod.com. And I have a new email address for you for any new cases. If you have a case that you want investigated or you need help, send those emails to cases at truthandjusticepod.com. So any thoughts, theories, or ideas you want to send me, go to theories at truthandjusticepod.com. If you have a new case that you want explored, send it to cases at truthandjusticepod.com. You can follow me on Twitter at truthjusticepod. And we're also on Facebook at Truth and Justice with Bob Ruff. Please keep in touch at any one of those places. I hope you all have a Merry Christmas. Remember that we will not have an episode next week. The next episode will be the first Sunday in January. And as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.